Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And I'm very lucky today that I have Sophie Strum uh, joining me. I interviewed your mom. Mm -hmm. It was actually, I think, last weekend, but I published it this week. So it just went um, on the air. Your mom, Clara, um, we talked about the the podcast itself, if you're looking for it, is called Perspectives Over Time. And I was really excited to interview your mom because, um, Sophie, you're 24 years old. Yeah. And so um, your mom was one of the pioneers, I guess, in terms of um, she had to figure out a lot on her own because there just wasn't enough information at that time in terms of, you know, autism, you know, there wasn't a lot of services. And so when um, she indicated that you were interested in coming on the podcast, I was really excited because, you know, we, you know, I'm an autism mom. That is my perspective, um, but I don't have autism. So I love the idea um, of being able to capture self-advocates and being able to ask questions so that it helps us parents understand Our the, viewpoint. your viewpoint. It's really important for us to understand your viewpoint. Um, one of my friends, John Lemus, has um, a term that he likes to use as nothing about us without us. So in other words, they want to be oh, part yeah. of the decisions of, you know, whether it be legislature or just, you know, policies and procedures or even like um, input in terms of educational things. Um, I loved that concept, that, that term that he used, nothing about us without us. Um, and so... Be, having you here today is really is is wonderful because you know we were just kind of chatting a little bit before I hit the record button, and one of the things that um, I asked you was, do you like the term self advocate or is that a term that you use? And you said it's not correct. It's not that I don't like the term. It I like it. It's just that I don't tend to tell people that okay. I have autism. Okay. It's not something that I advertise. Okay, and so explain to me why. Um, I guess the main reason is that I don't want to be looked at differently. Um, and when you tell someone you have autism, there are many reactions, but most often the one I've experienced is uh, kind of confusion and then detachment. Um, they don't tend to listen to what you say. They tend to take everything with a grain of salt. Sure. And is this something that you've experienced more throughout your like childhood, yes. yeah. but maybe, okay. Cause that was actually one of those things that, so I, and I don't know how much your mom explained about who like my past. Uh, so my son, Isaac would be turning 17 this year. And so he was diagnosed, actually, he was identified at 15 months old as mm -hmm. with the potential of an autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. And then he was diagnosed right before his second birthday. And there was nothing out there in terms, I knew nobody that had a child with autism. I would have to go to the library to find books because I have to be honest, like the internet was like the dial up internet <laughs> back in those days, you know, that old squeaking noise that oh, you yeah. would hear. Um, so it was just really not, you know, and of course too, I didn't even really know how to use the internet back in those days. So I would just, you know, I knew how to use a card catalog at a library. So that was basically what I was doing. And even then the information was fairly dated, I felt like, but you're absolutely right. I felt like when I would let people know that um, Isaac had autism, it was just, you're right, detachment, a lot of confusion. And, and I have to be honest, I have a lot of resentment to the movie Rain Man because that was, at that point, the only context for what people had to use as a measurement of what autism was, which, yeah. oh, gosh, for so long, you know, it was just, no, my, my son doesn't um, count toothpicks. Thank you very much. And um, so it was really frustrating. Um, he passed away in 2007. And my son, who I had after Isaac passed away, was Caleb. And he went on to be diagnosed with high functioning autism. And so I have struggled my and my entire parenting life in terms of do I share or don't I share? Because yeah. 
when Isaac was little and I would share, we had some really horrible things happen. Um, but then I also had some really horrible things happen because I didn't just, I wasn't honest with people. And then people were just not very tolerant and had zero compassion whatsoever. Um, now with Caleb, I've struggled on that whole piece too because he is high functioning. So it can be more of an invisible disorder for him where he can fly under the radar. Um, but I do feel like, you know, the difference between then and now is people's understanding is different. And so yeah, I'm people like are a lot more aware of it. They are a lot more aware of it. And so now I find actually it's more beneficial to just let people know in advance because they have because for him it's more of an invisible you know, how autism affects him is more invisible because he's very, I mean, he's conversational. He's in general education. He struggles with the social nuances, like social context of things. So then he'll make like mistakes just in terms of interacting with people. And um, I think people are a lot more kind and considerate knowing that in advance and, and helping him navigate things instead of I'm just thinking he's a weirdo and ignoring him, right? But I've still, it, it is that particular, what we're talking about right now is something I have struggled with my entire parenting life because, you know, I ha- I think you're absolutely right. I was just, I had so many traumatic experiences as Isaac's mom and how people would treat us and things that they would say and do that I just was feeling like we needed to keep it a secret. Um, and so... Um, so this is something that you, from the time you were young, you preferred not to share that information, but you're here today. I am. So I, I feel like things are changing a little bit then. So are you feeling mm-hmm. like you are more comfortable being open about it and being more of that self-advocate yeah. and letting people know, or is it still something that you want it to be private? Um, I share it with certain people. Uh, I just don't want it to be the main thing that people think about when they think about me I know that I come off as like quiet and weird and I know I'm okay with that well here's the thing I think weird is actually awesome because (laughs) I mean when you think about I mean like I I feel like I'm one of the weirdest people I know which just makes it even all the weird people are the cool ones now anymore like if you're you know like not weird it's like what's wrong with you you know but I live in a different world we we live in a spicy world in my little family and so um, we embrace differences um, but you know, but you're right. Caleb is very quiet too. And so you really have to get to know him before he'll start Same. Yeah, being yeah. real talkative. I mean, he'll talk your ear off, but he has to get warmed up to you first. Right. And then once exactly right. he considers you a friend, it's like, Ooh, like he is just, you know, right. We in won't the, shut up. Oh yeah. That's exactly <laughs> it. He just is Mr. Talkative and he's giggly and stuff. And, but yet most of the people that know him, they're like, Oh, he's so quiet and reserved. And it's like, Oh, that's really not Caleb. You yeah. just, you're not in that I call it the inner circle in the bubble yeah in the inner circle we call it the I don't know if you ever watched that movie that's um the um is it meet the fockers or I don't remember the one before that is um oh meet the parents oh meet the parents yes where it's like he talks about the circle you have to be in the circle and um I just think of Caleb that's a perfect description of Caleb is you have to be in that bubble or that circle of trust the circle of trust before he is his true self um so Let's talk about when you were little, because your mom kind of shared, like, again, she really, how she was figured out that there was probably an autism spectrum disorder piece in in connection with you is because of friends kind of helping her to troubleshoot things, because um, you were the youngest of how many? Five. five. Well, technically eight, um, but my mom's children are five. Okay. So you were the baby of five. Mm -hmm. And so like what your mom indicated was it was just such a different parenting experience compared to the other kids. But um, again, you were engaging. And so you had, you know, you, you spoke, you talked. And so it's not like the typical things that doctors were looking for when they were talking about autism spectrum disorders. Right. Um, the biggest thing she said was sensory issues. You had a lot of sensory issues. So how I honestly like the sensory piece is one of the parts of autism that I think that parents don't know and understand enough about, because if you understand all of the sensory stuff going on with some of these little kiddos, um, their behavior is really not that like peculiar, if you know what I mean. And then also too, if you know that certain things are bothering them from a sensory perspective, it's a lot easier to make small changes in order to make it 
more tolerable, right? Oh, big time. So yeah. how did that feel? Like, do you have memories as a child that... Oh, I have so many memories. <laughs> ...of just being uncomfortable in your body? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, where do I start? So I like to think of it as uh, I have the, the volume turned up on all of my senses. Um, everyone else has kind of like a normal baseline, and then mine is like at max. Everything I'm taking in is so much more intense than it should be sure um so like for for me i couldn't wear shoes that enclosed my feet because i felt trapped mm -hmm. um and my feet like my toes would start to get really uncomfortable so i still do this but like to adjust my socks or to just kind of get rid of that feeling i curl my toes and i like smush them into the floor okay um and that helps. It brings a different sensation. It kind of like it hurts a little bit. Yeah. But it also tingles. And yeah. It kind of gets rid of that weird feeling. Okay. Um, I couldn't wear socks because they again they felt trapped and they, they made my feet sweaty and I oh, yeah. couldn't stand it. Socks are the bane of my existence <laughs> with my son. And also too, when he was little, like we would go shoe shopping was the worst, most miserable experience of my life. And every time you put a pair of shoes on, it was like, Nope, that's not a match. Nope, yeah. that's not a match. That's nope, right. that's not Can't a match. <laughs> and so like literally once you found the pair of shoes, it's like Cinderella. We found it, we just need to buy five pairs of these shoes because mm -hmm. if he'll tolerate it, then let's just get like exercises yeah. so I mean did you hate shoe shopping oh I hated it yeah yeah how is it now like are you okay oh, it's fine because yeah. you've come up with skills or adaptations yeah. to make it work yeah and um a lot of the senses I can just kind of tune out now okay um and I didn't used to be able to do that so I can I ask is this something that therapy has helped you do or was something over time you learned the skills to do or was it a combination of both I'd say it's a combination of both. Okay. Um, I just took my time and I, uh, I tried it out and I like I put shoes on for a couple minutes and then I was like, okay, I gotta get these off. Okay. Um, and then I just kind of gradually went from that to um, I'll wear them for an hour. Um, if I get really uncomfortable, I'll just like smush my toes or um, I'll run around a little bit in them, uh, and that that helped. Okay. Um, I wouldn't, I hadn't been able to wear jeans for the longest time. I have to be honest, when you walked in wearing jeans, I'm like, I, you're telling me there's a chance. So, yes. Okay, that's what <laughs> I want to hear. She's wearing jeans, younger. my friends. And I was like, holy mackerel, because we don't tolerate jeans at this point. No, they're too, they're too stiff. Yes. Um, and starchy and uncomfortable. Uh, but these, so I have to go through, when I go jean shopping, I have a very specific idea in mind and I have to get something that has a lot of spandex in it. So okay. stretchy. stretchy. Um, like the jogger kind. Yes. Okay. And as you can see, there are holes in these. Yes. That is helpful because oh. it, it makes the jeans more bendy. Yes. Um, and yeah. I can like, I can touch my skin through them and like scratch okay. myself. Um, so these are, these are actually really comfortable. Okay. Um, and they're not too tight. Uh, on my waist or in my groin Well, that's area. what I love about, so girl jeans and that you can get different waistlines, which is helpful, oh, I yeah. think, because I'm very particular about where my jeans hit me and like my, my mm -hmm. midsection. But I don't, it's like I, I'm raising a son and I'm just thinking, you know, they don't really have those types of options for boys when it comes to like low rise, yeah. mid waist or high rise or high waist. Um, so just, you know, if any manufacturers are out there listening to me, like I'm just saying you're missing an opportunity, but, um, I think that's how old were you when you started wearing jeans? Okay. So not, it was maybe like 16 or 17. It okay. was older. Okay. Um, and that's just because that's when I could, uh, get used to the feeling and, also, it's only been very recently that manufacturers have been putting more spandex yes. into jeans and making them more like jeggings, but not jeggings. Yes. Um, You're so right, because I'm yeah. noticing it every now brand that I'm looking at has the option that have spandex yeah. added to them, which you're right. They didn't have that mm -hmm. 10 years ago. So yeah, they were all stiff and uncomfortable. Yes, yeah, so much. So interesting. OK, so here's my question. Like, um, do certain fabrics bother you? Are you really particular about tags and fabrics? Uh, so fabrics, yes. Um, anything that's like lacy, uh, it really itches okay um wool i can't wear still um tags are the worst 
the worst. Yeah. Some tags are really soft mm-hmm. and the they're sewed in so that they're not uncomfortable. And they're not touching, moving around. Exactly. Yeah. So I think this sweatshirt I'm wearing still has the tags because they're not uncomfortable. Gotcha. Um, but certain clothes, I have to take my mom's like sewing scissors and just kind of get them cut out of the seams out and yeah. pull it off. So here's a question that you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I had a mom just reach out to me asking me for, is there any, do you know any moms or any um, young ladies out there that, cause she has a daughter and she struggles because so many bras are lacy and she needs to wear one but they are struggling finding like ones that she can tolerate and I was just like oh honestly I don't know that I have an answer to that because you're right a lot of these stupid bras have a lot of lace and other things going on um but and underwires the underwires and so that was the thing is I was suggesting trying to find ones that don't have underwires um maybe more of the sports bras versus the standard yeah, so I can wear bras um, pretty well if, when I find one that, that works for me. Um, Is there any, like, type, like, um, brand or company that makes ones that are better than another? Not that I've found. Okay. Uh, I have found, like, training bras oh, surprisingly yes. work. Uh, yeah. They don't offer a ton of support, so if you have bigger breasts, it's harder. Harder, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I wear those pretty often when I have one of those days where I put on a regular bra and I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Can't do it. So that's interesting that you say that. You still wake up some days and you're just like, nope, can't do it today. There are some days where I struggle really badly. I will go through my entire closet trying stuff on and I'll be like, I can't, can't do this. I can't do this. Okay, it's sweatpants and a sweatshirt today. Sure. Um, And no bra. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's, it's something that you know, it's a day-to-day thing. Gotcha. So when you were going to school, um, you went to, your mom actually said that you were in school for a while, but then she ended up homeschooling you because yeah. it was just the social, was it the social demand or the, <sighs> the sensory piece of just too many people in the classroom? There were a lot of things that okay. went into that. I, so I completed my third grade year and then in fourth grade, uh, so the year prior, my grandmother died, oh. um, and she was my rock. Yeah, oh. I still tear up thinking about her. Yeah. But uh, so fourth, going into fourth grade, I just lost my best friend. Yeah, and my teacher, I, I don't like saying this, but she was not helpful yeah. to me at all. She was really strict. She um, because this was just a general ed teacher, correct? Yes, yeah, okay. and she she really did not treat me the way I feel like I should have been treated, which sure. is a lot more gently. Yes. Well, <laughs> um, that, yeah. 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 Um, so that was difficult. And then I just felt so disconnected from the people around me. I didn't really have any friends. I would spend like the time on the playground alone and just like, because at this there. age, then you did officially have the diagnosis yeah. of an autism diagnosis, but you weren't comfortable sharing that with, did your teacher know? I'm sure she knew. Okay, but um, your classmates did not know. Oh, I see. No. Okay. Yeah, and and I don't think many of my classmates knew. Uh, they knew that I didn't wear underwear. Okay. They somehow like that became a thing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and I, I think they just saw me as this like weird, quiet girl. Uh, and, and so kids, you became bullied. Yeah. 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 Um, kids can be really cruel. Yeah. Oh, I believe uh, me. Yeah, so I, I I just told my mom, like, I didn't want to go, and I stopped. Like, I, I got up every morning. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to school today. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to school. I would even, like, try and fake being sick. Like, I'd hold a thermometer over a light bulb. And you <laughs> know like, what Caleb used to do? Because um, we had to switch school districts because it was just not – um, a good fit for him in his last mm-hmm. school district and um, what he would do and now keep in mind he's the biggest germaphobe in the world but because he hated school so much he was trying to get himself sick so he would lick handles and windows to Oof, try and get yeah. germs so that he would get sick so that he wouldn't go to school um, and again if you know Caleb he is the biggest germaphobe in the world um, and so for him to go to those lengths of like literally like licking things to try and like catch something yeah. is just so sad because he, again, it was a teacher that just under knew that he had a diagnosis, but um, didn't feel that there was the need for special treatment. Yeah, special treatment or accommodations mm-hmm. or just this much more compassion. You yes. know what I'm saying? Just yeah. a little bit of compassion and understanding goes a long way. Um, and she also felt like 
you know, when Caleb would push back and not do something, um, you know, Caleb's just not an outwardly defiant kid. There's a reason why he's not going to do that. And it's usually one of two things. It's a sensory issue where he just, mm -hmm. it's physically hurting him. Or secondly, he has hard and fast rules in his head of like, this is the rule and you don't do it. So if he, if you're telling him to do something and it violates a rule he has in his head and he doesn't know what to do, then he's just like, I, I can't do it. You know what I mean? So um, and again, not a hard thing to troubleshoot if you're willing to take the time to say, hey, you know, like what's going on? Explain, explain to yeah. me what, what's happening right now. Yeah. And then as opposed to saying, hey, get out on the hallway. Like yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Get out in the hallway. I will be out there to deal with you in a minute. You know what I mean? Because then he was always in trouble mm -hmm. for things that were really not that big of a deal. That just takes this much extra patience and compassion some you know, people don't have that. They don't. Yes, you and are absolutely right. So you made the decision with your mom that homeschooling was going to be the route. Yes. And how, from your perspective, was that good? Um, what or are there things about that that had it's it was good, but there's downfalls to it as well. It was good. Um, I do feel like I missed out on quite a bit. Okay, so like what types of things? Like the social part, the social activities? Part, yeah, um, activities. Like I I didn't go to homecoming. I didn't go to prom. And that's yeah. like, looking back, I would have really loved that. Yeah. Um, not so much then, but now. Like I'm now a you're really big girly girl, so I would have loved to put on a, a fancy dress and well, go. And your hair is absolutely adorable. Oh, thank so, you. So, yes, she's got <laughs> color in her hair. Like, you're absolutely just, like, adorable. And you actually have um, some face I piercings, do, which I are do. super cute because, to be honest with you, like, it's again, it gives me hope because, again, you know, when you have kiddos that are real sensory sensitive, yeah. you know, you have some – I mean, you're just absolutely adorable. I have um, – you know, some girls that don't want to wear makeup because it's just, uh, you know, it's um, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. So how, how, when did you get into makeup and, uh, makeup probably like 17 or 18. And I only started out with mascara okay. and, um, concealer and that's pretty much what I do now. Um, oh, you're I, just adorable by <laughs> the way. You're so cute. I, so I only do mascara, um, concealer under my eyes and then, uh, like, really light mineral powder foundation um and I'll do lipstick because I love lipstick yeah lipstick is fun I have to be honest I'm <laughs> with you like the bright bold colors I'm all over that yeah so you feel like you did miss out on some stuff in yeah. but you didn't miss it at the time it's just now hindsight looking back you miss you feel like that might have been something that you would like to have done yeah but I know that it would have been really really hard for me yeah um yeah it would have been a challenge so let's talk about friendships. Um, now, in terms of when you were in school, obviously kids are mean. Let's just be real. Mm -hmm. Like kids are just any, I, I have to, Caleb's at a school right now where I feel like people are very kind and we don't have any bullying whatsoever. At our last school, I felt like, you know, there's situations where there are some kids that are going through some really hard stuff and if they see a kiddo that's a little bit more different than they are, then they're jumping on the bandwagon to kind of exploit that um, yeah. where, and it just sucks, you know, but um, has, have friendships become easier for you as you've aged or? Yeah. Um, so I have one long-term friend uh, that I met in sixth grade. Uh, she's amazing. I love her so much. And what's amazing about her? Uh, she's just so kind and patient. Um, and she doesn't judge me for, like, telling her I can't hang out today because I feel weird or I, I just don't feel good. And she's like, okay, well, let me know when you want to hang now, out Now, your mom talked about this friend. And yeah. she says that she she does not have autism. She does not. Know. And so you guys just became friends mm -hmm. and you guys just clicked. Yeah. And you've stayed friends all these years. And she's just easygoing, non-judgmental. Yeah. Now, does she have any family members in her life that have autism, which allows no. her to just be more, or she just is one of these She's naturally just, yeah. kind, amazing people yeah. that if only we could clone and just exactly. make a million of her. <laughs> oh, I just absolutely love that. And so you guys have still stayed friends all these years. Oh, yeah. And she, you know, does she ever have you does she ever ask questions um, about what it's like to like live in your skin, or does no, she? It's just not even an issue for it's her. It's not an issue. She for just her. naturally, she, yeah, amazing. She just sees me as me. Yeah, 
And that's, I I just wish we could clone people like that and just make a million more of them. I always wonder when we see young ladies and young men that have this natural ability to just like be amazing human beings, whether or not something in their life has like touched them in a way Mm -hmm. that they just have more compassion and empathy, or if it's just good genes. So it's nice to know you can have just good (laughs) genes and as opposed to just being raised, you know, around it so that you're just more empathetic, but um, how are friendships now? Do you are friendships easier now, or is it just still one of those things where you have to get to know someone before you feel comfortable? Um, so I would say that I didn't really branch out in that in that aspect until I was twenty, and I I got my first job um, at the library, and even then it was hard for me to interact with my coworkers. They would I they would most likely be the ones. Um, instigating a conversation uh and I wouldn't say much so that I but still like looking back that helped me progress slowly just Mm -hmm. talking for you know a couple minutes here and there um and then I met my boyfriend through work and he helped me open up and socialize more um introduced me to his friends uh and it was it was a, a progression slowly of developing those social skills because I didn't develop them early early on. Um, Do you think that was a product of being more homeschooled or just your personality? Just my personality mm-hmm. and and being homeschooled, I wasn't forced into social situations. Do Do you feel like maybe you? should have been pushed more into social situations Maybe or given a little bit. Cause that's the thing is that from a parent's perspective, I, I don't know what the right balance of letting him it's just be. Balance. Yeah. And that's the thing I want him to want to be social with other people other than his siblings. Cause he's very social with his siblings. In fact, his little sister is his best, really his closest friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she also wants that opportunity to play with her friends and not have to have, you know, her brother tagging along with her girlfriends doing that sort of thing. And I totally get it. But it's like, I don't know how much to push him because, you know, right, if I'm being totally honest and I am letting him decide, we're going to just be spending that time at home. He's going to be playing video games or playing with his dog. Um, And so then it's like, do I push it or don't I push it? So I would say don't like shove him, but yeah, but <laughs> gently, gently nudge him. him. Um, groups are not something I would recommend. Okay, large groups are just horrible because you feel like okay, I can't approach anyone because they all have their own thing going on. Okay. But if you can get him with one or two people just to like go out for coffee um, and talk, that's definitely the way to go. Like just keep bringing up like, hey, so and so said they want to go shop for Christmas gifts. You want to go with them? Got it. Um, and that we'll is all so come good. along because then you have someone to bridge the gap. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Kind of facilitate things if necessary, oh, but yeah. still letting them do it. That I love is, those people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. This is really good information because I get Probably one of the things I am asked the most as Holly at the Isaac Foundation is I need to get my kiddo in some social groups. Like, mm-hmm. where do I find social groups? And to be honest with you, most of the social groups I'm saying I'm seeing or the feedback that I'm getting is, is that, yeah, we're doing it, but they don't love it. Yeah. And so then I'm like, OK, so do you think they're getting anything out of it or is there a better way of doing it? So what I'm hearing you say is, is that you want to push the social but your best option is to do it more, more like small play dates. Small play dates. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to, A okay, there's, function. yeah, there's seven or eight yeah. um, of kids that are painfully socially awkward and then you know, are having, it's, it is, makes it way, it's like um, my friend Andrea calls it forced, um, forced awkwardness, yes. you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. now you're going to force this social situation, which is just awkwardness. Um, okay. Well, that is really good information because like I said, I want to that for him because again as his sister gets older he's going to start losing his like his hangout buddy um and so it's like how do I help him find friends because he's not you know I ask him it's like hey is there anybody at school that you hang around with no I just play tetherball by myself and he's not sad about it he's just like no I just like playing tetherball and and so that's just what I do um and he sits at a table at lunch with people but that doesn't necessarily mean he's socializing with them he's just sitting there eating his lunch because that's just what you do Um, and again, you know, if I was to let him decide, 
he would just he would never do anything. He would just be at home yeah. hanging out, playing video games mm-hmm. and playing with his dog sticks. And so, <laughs> you know, which I love that he loves his dog, but at some point, you know, we need to human interaction human is good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> where where is that bridge, right? So yeah. when we're so your mom told me that you do drive. I do. But you didn't actually drive until you were So I sorry about that. Um so I took my written test I think when I was 17 and I didn't take the actual physical test because I I was freaked out about just too anxious too way too much anxiety um so then I had to retake it when I was 19 and then I took the the final actual driving test and I just barely passed because I was so nervous (laughs) I was like oh god I don't remember how to do it Oh, that's right. So now, did you drive periodically with somebody in the car? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So that first year when I was 19, I, I drove um, with mostly my mom, um, sometimes my sister. Um, and it wasn't like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, and your mom's point of view was is just when it's time, it will be time yeah, to exactly. not push it and they'll start giving you those indicators that they're interested in they doing it. Yeah. yeah. And so when you were at 17 was when you started thinking like, oh, I, may, I might want to do it. Yeah. I was okay. still really afraid yeah. um, and nervous about being the one in control of a 2000 pound vehicle. Oh, I know Caleb actually, he always points out his like dream car, which are these little smart car things. Oh, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, well that's probably good in terms of you feeling like you're in control, but it makes me so scared because if he got hit in something like that, I just, Oh my, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I would much rather you be in a big old like hefty, yes, truck. (laughs) So that way if you got hit, you would be okay. But I think for him, the smaller, more, he feels like he's in more control, but hopefully we can get in beyond that. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then that kind of led into feeling a little more confident. Um, I had freedom to go where I wanted to go. Uh, so then my mom, um, told me about that job about a year later. And that was at at the the library. library. Yep. And I, I was nervous at first but I was like okay I need this because I need gas money (laughs) yeah oh so that was kind of your motivation kind of yeah okay yeah um I love to drive and I like to go on just drives out road trips yeah exactly tiny road trips um so I was like yeah I guess I'll I'll do this and work a couple days of the week and so how is the job I hear that from your mom's perspective, you have com- you have really come out of your shell and you have gained a lot of self-confidence. Yeah. So that one job I was working as a page. So there, there are a lot of different positions in the library. Um, and the page is kind of the lower rung. They shelf books and um, they don't tend to talk to the customers as much. Uh-huh. At least that's how the position was when I joined. Um, and that was really good. Uh, but then eventually I wanted to become a circulation clerk okay Um, and what's the difference between those two jobs so a clerk is they run the front desk they do like mending um they they basically run the branch okay um well that's a big jump yeah okay oh yeah it was a huge jump so I started training for that and um I think I applied once and I didn't get the job and that was really upsetting um but then I applied again and actually got it uh, so now I'm, I'm working at one of the libraries as a clerk. Okay. Um, and I, so I'm on desk all day and I'm talking to, you know, strangers. Um, the, the good thing is that I work at a smaller branch. So I've, over time, I've gotten to know these people that come in and, mm-hmm. um, know them by name and what they, what they like to read and stuff. Um, so it's, it's, that has been a huge confidence booster and it's really changed how well I can start a conversation and carry on a conversation um sometimes some days I'll come into work and I will like not be feeling it yeah. that day though so I'll be really quiet and I'm sure my coworkers think that I'm like upset or something but I'm not I'm just not I don't have the energy for yes. it yes um but those days are rare um I would say I really. So, how many hours a week are you working then? So, right now, my schedule, like my set schedule is 20 hours a week, but 
I sub at a lot of other branches, um, and I've been working more like 32 average on an average week. Okay. Yeah. And so you're just loving it. Do you see yourself being in the library yeah. field for... Yeah. Um, I do love my job, and uh, it pays decent, so... Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, yeah. when you're working... Because it's a city library, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I have to think that it would be a great job. I know a few people that work for the library, and it sounds like it would be... Actually, there was... Back in my younger years, I wanted to get a job in the library, but because um, it seems very quiet. and, ah, and, and misconception. I, misconception. <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny how misconception is? Is that Yeah, it seems like such a quiet, easy job. But, yeah. um, and that's the thing, too, is, is that, you know, when we as parents, it's sometimes really difficult for us to imagine, like, what type of job will my child be able to do? Because, again, if Caleb doesn't like socializing and, you know, he's really good at technology, mm -hmm. um, it's hard because, you know, it's, I don't even know how to help him, um, like figure out where his niche is going to be. Yeah. And so, um, did you ever feel pressured by your mom? Like, Hey, you're going to have to get a job. No. And do you think that was helpful? That was so helpful. Okay. See, that's really good to know is, is that, you know, the last thing you want to do is like, cause I feel like the more pressure you're feeling like, Oh, I'm going to have to get a job. Then again, stress and anxiety doesn't help anything. No, and so then when you're adding that extra pressure, but yet I also want Caleb to know, it's like, Hey, there's a whole world out there and mm -hmm. there's a lot of fun things that you you could do that would be in your skill set um so it's trying to find that balance of um you know like gently nudging them but not making them feel overwhelmed like sink or swim you yeah. know like you gotta go um looking back at your whole life childhood even through adulthood um what were the things that you wish would have been different like maybe different when you were a kiddo and then even like maybe different now just in terms of again you know, we parents think we're doing our kids these great favors, but then sometimes I always, I, I, I'm realistic and I can see that I'm Caleb's greatest advocate, but I can also be his greatest barrier because sometimes I don't push him where I should or don't let him explore things that he wants to because I get worried about, you know, like, well, oh, what if this is a total disaster? How are we going to repair after it? So um, when you think of your childhood, like what you know, what things do you look back, wish that things were different? Um, I mean, that's a really difficult question. Do you feel like, I know that a lot, we need to do a lot of repair when it comes to school mm -hmm. and how we're integrating um, students into classrooms. You know what I mean? We, yeah. um, one of my employees, um, he left us to um, pursue a better job, which is always wonderful. Um, but some of the stories that he shared, he's 40, mm -hmm. um, with autism and some of the stories that he shared about education, how they would educate people with autism when he was young was appalling. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but, you know, I do think things are getting better, but, you know, I just went to a Spokane Public Schools Parent Advisory Committee last week, and um, it's really interesting because you realize that you've come so far, but yet there's still a lot that we can improve on. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I have to imagine that awareness, just what we didn't know what we didn't know back when you were young. Mm -hmm. um, what obstacles do you think that there are still today that, that frustrate you? obstacles in my daily life yeah I'm not sure if I can think of any okay. um I mean the work aspect uh I wish that it was more well known that um like people like me do work and they do have jobs but they need a little bit extra support support yeah they need more support yeah um and I feel like in school that they're starting to understand that but for the older older people with autism it's it's still difficult because yeah. employers are less likely to want to give that support well because by just first glance I would just pass you on the street or pass you oh, just yeah. in and not even think anything of it because I mean you're adorable I mean you're so you you look so put together you're wearing jeans again that's one of my like <laughs> mental notes like oh she's wearing jeans like wouldn't that be amazing but yeah. you see what I'm saying and you're absolutely right because it becomes an invisible the sort of the other thing um 
that I struggle with is that, you know, because Caleb is much like you, very capable, very high functioning, but he still requires supports. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some of the preconceived ideas is autism is not always a disability. No. He's differently abled. You know, he it's, you know, autism spectrum disorder. That doesn't automatically mean that he's disabled. And so he gets really upset occasionally when he'll hear someone use the word disability and autism because that's not how he sees himself yeah um and so that understanding of you know but autism can be a disability for some people because they're affected so significantly um that it really is a disability for those people but we need to be doing a better job at educating people of what um high functioning or asperger's looks like because people have preconceived ideas that that are completely completely incorrect. wrong incorrect yeah. yes how do you feel about terminology this is a really loaded question because um and every single self-advocate that I talk to kind of has different preferences and so um I prefer as a mom um you know this is my son and he has autism I don't like the terminology I don't he's not my autistic mm-hmm. child um, and he doesn't like the word autistic just because he doesn't know what it means. You know, he's Caleb. I'm Caleb. I'm not autistic. Yeah. I'm Caleb. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, do you have autism? Yeah, I have autism, but I don't know what it means to be autistic. Um, but yet I have lots of self-advocate people that I know that prefer to be called autistic or, um, you know, they um, I'm an autistic. Uh, and so there's a lot of terminology out there. Um, some prefer neuro- neurodiverse as um, a way of describing it because because of some of that neg- negative stigma associated to the word autism, they prefer neurodiverse because um, there's really nothing wrong with them. They have, yeah. um, they're, you just know, different. they're just different. Um, doesn't make it wrong. It's just different, just like anything else. Like I have hazel eyes and somebody else has blue eyes. It's just a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any strong feelings about the terminology and the debate that's out there? Um, And a lot of it is actually brought up by self-advocates that have a lot of feelings about um, appropriate language that should be used to describe people with autism. So I always like to ask because, you know, people are treading on eggshells because they don't they know that it's a heated conversation, even in the among self-advocates. So do you have feelings? Uh, neurodiverse sounds pretty cool, but um, I would never use it. Uh, I And I, I agree that like I am not autistic. I'm not an autistic person. I have autism. Yeah. I like that people first language is yeah. nice. Um, but it doesn't bother me like. If someone were to call me autistic, it would be like, okay. Yeah. You, you don't have strong, vehement feelings no, about it? No. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Because understand. Well, that's just do it, too. And, again, I think that, you know, some of the uh, self-advocates that I've had the pleasure to talk to, a lot of this is, you know, they're older than you. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of negative um conversations about autism and different things like that and so it makes sense that there are a lot of feelings about um, the language and so when I I do a lot of training for teachers and community partners and even first responders and they're always asking me what's the correct way to and I'm like here's the thing the best thing there is there's not a there's not a rule the best thing that you can do is just say you know what language do you prefer like Mm -hmm. people first language or Uh, you know, do you prefer being referred to as autistic and just have that conversation? Because to be honest with you, you'd probably be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing that you even cared enough to ask me. Um, So that's kind of my, my two cents, you know, again, my family's personal preferences, you know, we get cringy when people start referring to autistic people and it was, but that's just, again, um, whatever is comfortable to every person. We just have, the biggest thing is just respecting it and just saying, hey, that's cool. I don't mind that you prefer neurodiverse and this person over here likes to be referred to as an autistic. That works for me. I can live in that world, no problem. But Mm -hmm. it's um, good that, like I said, I just like to ask um, opinions on that. Here's the the last question and we um, can start wrapping up. Um, But one of the podcast episodes, and I actually would love if you think about it and you're available and you feel like you want to be part of this, but one of the conversations that I think it's interesting is um, asking parents as well as self-advocates how they feel about different media depictions of autism. Um, Because I have some families that like it, and I have some families that are really disappointed in it. Um, And so, you know, I, I think, you know, there's good and bad. So my question to you is, is do you feel that there are some that do a better job at depicting autism better than others? Or 
is there, um, you know, do you have any feelings about how it's depicted in the media? Um, I want to say every person with autism is different. Um, so the depictions are going to be different. Yeah. So um, true. So I, true. There are a lot of negative depictions of it. Um, very stereotypical stuff. Uh, and it's not necessarily accurate for everyone. So it, it is better to kind of diversify that and yeah. show other aspects of autism, yeah. like high-functioning people yeah. um, that you wouldn't necessarily suspect as having autism. Yeah. Um, I, I wish that they would be a little bit better represented. Yeah. Um, One of the, the – some families get really frustrated because the only type of media characters that you see with autism are individuals that are more higher-functioning because mm -hmm. real significant – profound oh, autism is never put in TV shows or movies or series because it is hard and yeah. it is difficult. And it's like, it's almost the, we can only, we're going to focus on high functioning autism because it's, really it's more functional and neater and easier to depict. And so families who have kiddos that are really significantly impacted feel like that you're doing a disservice to um, autism families because with, you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. showing that, you know, Hey, that is just one kind of aspect, aspect of it. Um, you know, and so really the, the most challenged person that we've seen with autism really, um, in media in movies was Rain Man. And still, even then I thought actually he is pretty high functioning, all things considered. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause car compared to some of the other families that we work with where, um, things have to be very controlled and, um, you know, there's no functional language whatsoever. So there's no ability to communicate thoughts, feelings, and ideas. Um, so, and I always think that, you know, that's a really good point. Have you ever heard of the show Parenthood? Yes. Yes. So isn't there an autistic yes. boy? Yes. Yes. But boy he, with autism? yes, a boy. Yep. And then um, he, but he's I, oh, higher functioning because he, he has language. Is he? Okay. Yeah. And I, I think the good doctor. Have you ever said? Have you watched the good doctor? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the good doctor is um, a doctor who has autism, and he has more challenges, but actually is pretty high functioning, all things considered. If he's actually a doctor, doctor. And um, some of our families have gotten really upset about that because, you know, then they'll get text messages or emails or even conversations saying, oh, just look, your child could be a doctor someday. And it's like, this is the media, people. You know what I mean? Yeah, like my, you don't know my kid. Yeah, exactly. There's just no way. Just, just bedside manner alone. He would just be very rude um, to people because he just he doesn't love people. Um, so his desire to want to fix people is probably going to be fairly limited. And so some families get really annoyed by it because it's like, you know what? is my child smart enough to become a doctor? Sure. But that doesn't mean he would be a good one because you have to yeah. be able to relate and interact with the public, which, um, is, you know, depending on the day, not always probably appropriate. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting just in terms of how people, how the media, how, you know, these screenwriters portray what autism looks like. I thought of one other thing that I wanted to ask before we wrap up. And um, my question is, do you know very many, like, statistics tell us, sorry, statistics tell us that autism affects more boys than girls. Okay, so you are actually... Um, yeah, they say currently the Center for Disease Control says that it um, affects one in every 39 boys and only one in every 151 girls. Um, have I, I would say that that's inaccurate. Um, I think that girls are just diagnosed less often than boys because they have different... Um, not symptoms, but like, yes, you know, yeah. traits. Yes. Um, I, Girls are different than boys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was, I, I am higher functioning. Um, and the way that my autism exhibited itself was more uh, physical sensory issues um, over uh, like lack of verbal. Yes. Um, yeah. So like, I don't necessarily think that there are f that many fewer uh, autistic. Oh, that's autistic fine. Ladies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Here's the thing: you're absolutely right because that's something you're so dead on about. This is I think that because girls tend to present higher functioning than boys. Again, 
predominantly boys have been what we've been zeroing in on. So the yeah. criteria that they have to screen girls is based off of the boys. boys. And how, how you apply that to the girls, it doesn't too. work. Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating because you're, here's what's happening is then these girls are going longer and longer and longer and they're not getting identified. And mm -hmm. so then the services, the services aren't being extended to them. Yeah. And so it's so frustrating. So there are universities that are actually now um, challenging the statistics and saying, no, we think that there is actually m a lot more females. It's mm -hmm. just that we are not using good criteria to screen girls. Yeah. Like here's the criteria to screen girls. And then here's the criteria to screen boys. And so with better criteria and screening specific to boys and specific to girls, we're going to see that the statistics actually oh, change for significantly. Sure. For sure. So you feel that like through your life, you feel like it, autism affects a lot more girls but you're just not yeah. seeing it yeah yeah I completely agree the more um obviously I have boys and then my daughter is the youngest and she is neurotypical but um the more I've gotten to know girls and the autism spectrum disorder and traits in girls it's funny because now when I'm interacting with like young 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 like little girls it's like oh oh hey I think, you know, because what's so frustrating to me is doctors are like, oh, they talk, check. Um, right. And so that's all of a sudden. Oh, like, she looked me in the eyes. Yeah, exactly. Check. Oh, my gosh. You want to know what they told me when Isaac was little? Because, again, this was a long time ago because he was um, identified at 15 months for red flags. But they um, originally, I um, he was originally diagnosed with a profound hearing loss. And um, because he wasn't acknowledging his name, he wasn't turning to sounds, different things like that. And I was like, well, this is weird. And I told my husband, I think there's something wrong. Uh, we should take him in. And they did um, just audio screen. And they said, oh, he's profoundly hard of hearing. We need to get him in hearing aids. And I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, here's Wait. the thing. He used to dance to music. He used to jump when the dog would bark. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I would call his name and he would look at me when I would, you know, like I'd walk in the door and say, Isaac, and he would like turn and look at me. So, like, is there, you know, two things. One is, is that is there something degenerative that's going on that he's losing his hearing that we need to be doing like an MRI to see if it's a tumor or something like that? Or, you know, could this be something like, you know, I've, you know, read stuff about autism. Like, I don't really know much about that, but is this something that could be, and they actually shamed me. They mom shamed me and said, you're just, you know, you're just in denial. Your kid needs hearing aids. Get over yourself and just like quit being like um, a crybaby about hearing aids. They're not the end of the world. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, no, it's just that some things didn't make sense because he used to do these things and now he's not. So anyway, they put him in hearing aids, and I'm not going to lie, they actually did help um, because it tuned out a lot of the, he could only hear what was going on in front of him and oh. everything else was tuned out. And so he started, actually, it was super helpful, to be honest with you, but they put him, they wanted to do this test called the auditory brainstem response. They called it the ABR. And so that means that he had to be sedated, and then they put these electrodes on his brains, and then they sent noise in through his ears and measured the brain waves to see which pitches and tones he could hear so they could program his hearing aids because for babies or little kids you know they can't tell you yeah I can hear that or no I can't hear yeah. that so that was how they you know programmed the hearing aids on these little guys and the um, ENT came out after the test was done and he was waking up and said um, so kind of a crazy thing he's got normal hearing and I'm like what I'm sorry <laughs> say that again and they're like yeah like we don't understand it either and I'm like well what does this mean he says I don't know he says but I'm going to take this case and I'm going to email some of my colleagues nationwide and see if anybody's ever seen this before mm -hmm. and about a week and a half later we got contacted by this um ENT and he said that one of his colleagues on the east coast uh, responded back and said that he'd saw, seen it one time and the child went on to be diagnosed with autism and so I was like oh my gosh okay so I wasn't crazy yeah. um but again, one of the things that they had told me early on when they were doing this whole thing, oh, he's not autistic because he makes eye contact and he's happy and he smiles. And I'm like, oh, OK, because I don't know. Like, how, how would I know? I don't know anything about autism. But when they were mom shaming me, those were some of the things like I just need to get over myself. He smiles. He laughs. He's affectionate. So it can't be autism. I was like, good enough for me because you don't want your child to have, you know, significant autism. And no. 
Um, so I was like, okay, like give me the hearing aids. But, um, it's interesting because if, you know, these kooky doctors back in those, that was their criteria. Oh no, it's happy. Check. Eye contact, check. Affectionate, check. Um, but he had no functional language whatsoever. He never spoke actually right before he passed away. It was one of the first times that we actually were starting to hear words. So, uh, you know, so it was pretty significant, but, um, yeah, I just think that our criteria is even now flawed because some providers are saying, oh, well, see, they can talk in sentences. So we're going to check that box for communication, but there's nuances to communication, social communication and other things that I think we're totally missing when we're talking about girls. So I, I appreciate having your opinion on that because, um, you know, I'm just going off of stuff that I read. I read, try and read pretty much any research study and statistic on autism. And I find it so fascinating when we're talking about the number um, discrepancy between boys and girls. Cause I'm with yeah. you. I think it's wrong. It definitely is. Definitely. Yeah. So is there anything that you're burning to tell us or share with us or that you wish moms and dads would know? Um, just remember that every child is different. Every child with autism is different. Um, and you just have to be patient. Yes. <laughs> So I you, know you're already super patient, but well, some of our I try to be patient, but even then I'm not really patient. <laughs> but again, I'm trying. It's like you want to push them, but then you are yeah. like afraid to push them. And if I'm honoring some of their preferences, you know, like if I am being honest, if I'm honoring Caleb's preferences, I'm going to back off a little bit. But yeah. then, so I really actually appreciate your feedback. So here's my next and final question. I promise. Would you be interested in podcasting with some of the moms on other topics just for your, just to get your input? I yeah. really think that, um, moms and dads love to be able to hear your perspective and know kind of the things, you know, it's okay to be patient and things are going to happen in their own time. Exactly. And your mom was really good about that. Do you feel like your mom was really good about oh, letting yeah. you figure it out in your own time? She was. I wish she would have pushed me just a little hair more. Okay. In what um, area? Schooling and socializing. Okay. Uh, I did not want to go to public school and I'm so grateful that she didn't force me to. Mm -hmm. Um, but it did, I'm sure, impact my social skills, not having to do that every day. Sure. Now, here's a question for you, because and, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm contemplating homeschooling Caleb next mm -hmm. year because he goes into the seventh grade. And I just, kids are so mean just in general. But then I really, the seventh and eighth grade really jumps out as vicious years in terms of like just hormones and just kids being Ugh, exceptionally yeah. mean. So Caleb wants to be homeschooled next year and I'm really actually believe it or not contemplating it, but I hear that there are some homeschool options where it's online or at home, however, whatever works best. But then there's a few days of the week where you go for like, um, physical education, like PE, or you go to this, you go to a location where it's like a homeschool network, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then there's that a little bit of that social piece while you're working on a project as a small group. Like, do you feel yeah. like that would be a good bridge? Oh, for sure. So yeah, it's a little bit of amazing. social, but then you get to work at your own pace. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I really wish that, um, every kid with autism could go down that, that route because public school can be just absolutely toxic. Oh, I hear you. I know. Believe you me. Um, how do you feel about um, interest-based learning? Because that's kind of that new wave where as opposed to you're going to your math class and your science class and your social studies class and your English class, um, there are a couple of options now, even junior high and high school, where it's interest-based. So they know what your kind of the, the person's natural interests are and it's project-based learning. So they develop a project that they're naturally interested in that has elements of mathematics, elements of science, elements of social studies that's built into the project. So they call it project and interest-based learning. Like, how do you feel like? That sounds amazing. Do, okay, like, your I face is lighting existed up. <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah, your face kind of lit up when oh I'm talking about it. So, okay, well, that's good to know because again, you know, Caleb, you know, he's sixth grade. And so what he, he doesn't know what options are available to him. So he's just kind of like, I don't yeah. care. Just wherever I don't have to go and actually be around people. Yeah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's probably not the best option for you, my friend. Mm -hmm. But, um, but your face totally lit up when I was talking about it. So oh, sounds, sounds amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I kind of, 
think for Caleb, it would be a good fit for him because he had for um, it was social studies. He had to come up with his own civilization, which was hysterical because it's from his autism perspective. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like the monarchy was the dogs. That would basically determine, you know, because dogs don't lie and they just, oh, you know, yeah. they don't, you know, they just love you no matter and they're what. Compassionate. They're compassionate. That's exactly it. And so he had this whole, when he had to have him explain, why did you choose like this particular form of government? And he had a very valid perspective from an mm-hmm. autism mind. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then also like you had to come up like what type of clothing do your people wear? Well, obviously no socks, mm-hmm. um, no seams, um, no jeans. Like it was just so funny when he's coming up no with, tags. um, yep, no tags. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just it. And then even food, um, because he obviously is very particular about his food, although he has been more adventurous in some of his, um, I would say that's the first sensory thing that started to wane with me. Oh, really? Uh, the first thing I noticed um, I, that I wasn't as uncomfortable with was food. It used to be textures, like certain textures would kill me or certain flavors that were too overpowering. And now I love food. Like, I'll eat anything. And that's so funny that you're saying that because he has been so rigid in his tolerance to food. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it had to be certain brands and he wouldn't touch anything if it wasn't that particular brand because he knew what to expect and now he wanted to take he wanted he just announced one day that he wanted to try chili chili of all things and I was like okay so I bought the most generic kind of like mainstream Nally's chili that I could get we he ate it and he was like this is really good so he was eating that for a little while and then he shocked me by putting corn chips in his chili. And I was like, who is this child? You know what I mean? Because normally food can't touch. That was just it. It's like all on his own. And so that's interesting that you're saying that because um, he even asked me the other day to take him to Red Lobster because he thinks he wants to try crab. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, here's the thing. Crab's kind of expensive. So how about (laughs) your brother orders the crab because he likes it and then you can have a bite of it because I really don't want to buy a whole stinking crab and then you're not going to eat it. So, um, and I don't love crab. So um, anyway, but it's just so weird that he's just, you know, we're driving down the street and he's like, today I want to try this food. And I was just like, all right. Uh, so where is this coming from? So that's interesting. The other thing that Caleb is really tactically sensitive with his hands. So he loves art. Um, but there are certain types of art that he like, um, mediums that he won't even try. Um, Oh, well, anything, (laughs) well, paint. Yeah. He would never finger paint in a million years, but, uh, even painting because if the paint gets on his hands, even like from the paintbrush and it feels so uncomfortable, that's exactly what it is. It dries his skin out. It's not that he's worried about it wet on his hand because he washes his hands and whatnot. It's that when it dries out, it it sucks all the moisture out of his hands and he doesn't like lotion. He, I hated lotion. Yes. Oh my gosh. So last week the school called me and they're like, we got a little bit of a problem with Caleb. And I was like, Oh, what's the story? And they're like, well, he has really dry skin. Mm-hmm. and he won't tolerate lotion yes yep and yeah. his and his body too so his and it's this time of the year where it's you know more dry and so his they said he is so uncomfortable because he's itchy but he won't allow us to put lotion on him and I'm like yeah that's just not going to work and so they're like well he can't concentrate in class like he just cannot concentrate because his body is so uncomfortable and I was like I'm just gonna have to come pick him up uh, and really what I have to do is I literally have to manhandle him and put the lotion on him while he's fighting me because I have to get it on his body because otherwise his it's skin is it's, like crack. And yes. It's, and, and then he gets, yeah. And, and that's exactly it. It gets to be like a sore. And so literally I have to put the lotion on him while he's fighting me, but it's like, I'm not going to do that at school because somebody's going to probably call CPS yeah. <laughs> because he's screaming and he's fighting and it's really just lotion, yeah. but he hates lo- but. He has dry skin and he, but so a lot, you're absolutely right. A lot of the mode, like, um, mediums that he won't engage with are things that get on his hand and it dries out his hands and like, he won't touch clay. He won't. And again, the paint dries out his hands. And so, um, and it was fine for a little while he would wear, I got him gloves. So he would wear the gloves and that way, even if it did get on his hands, it didn't touch his skin. And now he's worried about people thinking he's weird because he's wearing gloves when he's painting. So now he won't wear the gloves because he doesn't want people to think he's different. And so it's kind of like exactly what you're saying. It's like this, okay, so, Hey, maybe we should just have a conversation and say, Hey guys, like, you know, my skin doesn't tolerate the paint on my skin. And so that's why I'm wearing these gloves. And do you really think your friends or the kids in your class actually care? Well, I don't know, but I don't want to take any chances. And it's like, all right. You know what I mean? So uh, it's so hard to balance that world of like when to share and when not to share. You know, I don't want 
to overshare on his behalf, but on some instances, I feel like, oh, it could be so much easier if we would just tell people what's going on. Yeah. You know, so. Um, I have to say, I also have very dry hands. I wash my hands a lot at work. Um, and I still, so I have, for the longest time, I couldn't put lotion on ever. Um, and I still have trouble if it gets on my fingertips. Oh. So I'll like squirt it onto the backs of my hands and, and just, just rub do the, the backs. backs of my hands together. Oh. And that's helpful. If I do get it on my fingertips, I'll just like wipe it on my jeans. Okay. And like, is there any brands that are better than another? Um, recently I've been using O'Keefe's in the little yellow, okay. um, squeeze tube and it is a little bit greasy, but it wears off pretty quickly. Okay. So um, what I've been doing is I've been just literally manhandling him every yeah. night before bed. I found this stuff, and it's called 10 Layers Deep, and it's an overnight lotion that absorbs overnight. So I figure might as well do it before bed, yeah. lather him up while he's, like, ticked off at me, get him calmed down, throw him into bed, and then when he wakes up, it's soaked in, yeah. and it's, like he's not as itchy during the day so and then I keep saying don't you feel so much better today because we put I know you hate the lotion but we did it and don't you feel better today and then he's just like well I'm not itchy but I don't like the feeling I and I get it (laughs) but it's like you know to not be itchy during the day it's paying off to put the really thick lotion you know like nighttime lotion on so but still is not loving me but it's what we have to do because it's a double-edged sword. Well, thank you for joining me. Like I said, it's really, um, there's so many questions that, you know, like come up and then it's like, oh, I wish I could just get that perspective. Again, Caleb's 11. So his ability to put his ideas and his thoughts and his feelings into words is still not, um, it, it is a little limited. I feel like, you know, as he gets older and he gets more mature and he, again, I feel like socially and emotionally, he's kind of like two or three years behind his peers. Just, you know, he's still, you know, is into his plushies and different things. And, you know, his friends are starting to get into, or the kids at school are starting to get into like girls and Mm. that sort of cool stuff. And he's still interested in Pokemon and Roblox and Legos. And so, um, I think it's, you know, good to know that just, you know, being patient is really the best option. Definitely. Cool. You're doing them a favor, even if you think you're not. Oh, there are so many days that I wake up questioning, am I doing the right thing? So this has been helpful. And so I appreciate you coming. And hopefully our listeners will have the opportunity to hear more um, as we podcast on different topics. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thank you. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember, we're all in this together, so find your tribe and hold them tight.